welcome to Legacy Podcast. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy this message. We live in different times. We're challenged by the culture today of America and by the things that we see every day of our lives. Everything, at least in our opinion, oftentimes is relative, meaning that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, how I want, and everything's going to be okay. Well, honestly, guys, if if I were to be quite honest and very frank with you this morning, and if it's not based on Scripture, it may not be okay. Or maybe i even be more direct with you this morning and say it won't be okay. Because there are some facts that the Holy Spirit, that helped these men write this Bible, that left us with some facts that we need to adhere to. It's not up to me to interpret the Scripture how I feel like I should interpret them. It is for me to read them and reason with them as the disciples did. For that's truly what they did. They would get around the campfire and they would reason with one another as they would write and as they would consider the Gospels and as they would consider the epistles and the prophetic books of the Bible. They would reason together and they would come to a a conclusion that yes, this is the heart of God. And what we have in the canon of the Scripture this morning are books that we need to understand and that we need to take as fact. Because I I have said things as as just anyone would in a day-to-day life and just communication. And people would say, because oftentimes as a Christian, I might say things that seem to be very pointed and very direct and very factual. In other words, there's no wiggle room in them. And in our culture today, that can be... can be misunderstood or could be understood as that I have no, actually that I, I am, I, I, I'm not, um, what's the term that I'm looking for? I always lose it. But that I am I'm very, um, very rigid and that I, I, I don't have other people's opinions in mind and how they want to live their life and, and that I don't honor them and I don't respect their way of life. It's not that at all. Not that way at all. I respect your life for who you are and where you are at the moment of time that you're in right now. But I know that each and every one of us are in a process. We're all on this journey of sanctification. If you read Scripture, the whole Bible is about sanctification. That's really what it's all about. It's just simply about us receiving Christ, coming to the uh, the understanding that I need to repent, I need to change my mind about my bad lifestyle, turn to God, adopt that philosophy and that lifestyle, and live for God. And as I do, I am progressively becoming more like Christ. So is life relative? Well... Yes, in some ways, maybe, as long as it's Christian, because I am a Christian, and oftentimes I have to, before I, people will ask me a question, and I'll have to say, now, you, you understand that I'm a pastor, and I'm going to respond to your question as a Christian. Okay, okay, now, I get that out in the open, that, that, that I am not this closed-minded individual who doesn't care for where you are, because I truly do care for where you are. We love everyone but we don't affirm everyone. You understand what I just said? We love everyone. I don't care who you are. I don't care your lifestyle. I don't care what you believe. But we do not affirm everyone. But I'm not a hater. I'm not here this morning to hate on you. I'm not here this morning to tell you that you're 
a piece of garbage because of the way you live your life. No, I, I want us all to live together drawing closer to God. And as we draw closer to God, we begin to realize that there are some things in our lives that we really do need to change. And I think that you all would respond as a yay to that. Everything can, cannot be always all relative. But the world is changing. It's clear that we are living in a blind world. Oftentimes, and I say often being nice, but the longer I live, I realize that there's really oftentimes no respect for leadership in all walks of life. I'm not just talking in the church, talking in all walks of life. It used to be, whenever I was growing up, that you give respect, you get respect, but today oftentimes it is, is that you give me respect and then my, I will give you respect. That's wrong. That's backwards, guys. That is not the Christian heart of the matter because we are called to love. How will the world know who we are? John said it like this. He said, they will know us by our love one for the other. That's how the world will know who we are. I give respect and then hope in return that in some way I will receive some type of respect. But in our culture today, oftentimes, is that there is no respect. And I'm all about disagreement. I believe in disagreeing with one another because I think it's healthy. But I think in our disagreement this morning that we don't have to be disrespectful. And I think each and every one of us owe it to our relationships and our family not to continue and not to constantly be disrespectful to them just because you disagree with them. There are often times whenever I disagree that I, I may not say what's totally in my heart because I realize that if I were to say everything that I believe about this situation, that my relationship in this situation will make, basically will come to naught because they're not ready for my opinion about that, nor are they willing to hang around me with the opinion that I have. Amen. It makes it sometimes doubly hard to be a Christian. And I say doubly hard because we can't live an old fleshly lifestyle and just do whatever we want because it's not about us, it's about others. But it's not about us agreeing with sin and about a lifestyle of degradation either. But it is for us to live out loud our lifestyle as a Christian so that people can see who we are without having to utter a word many times. Are you listening to me this morning? Because it's oftentimes that when I talk more is when I get myself in more trouble. <laughs> but I can't stay silent either. But we do live in a different age, in a different culture. And so hence the, the message this morning, the blind church, excuse me, the blind world and a blurred church. Every one of us in this room this morning are, are in one of these two categories today. You can find yourself in one of these two categories today, and I'm going to prove it to you. It's a time when the church really, you think I'm being mean to the church this morning. No, it's just, it just is what it is. We find ourselves in a time that the church is not as deep as we think that it is, and we think that we are. Why? Because... If we were as deep and as powerful as we thought we were, I promise you the things that we do would change others. My worship 
oftentimes, when I worship, whenever I am in my time with God, whenever I'm in my quiet time with God, whenever I'm in my place with God, those places that I find myself should be at such a degree that it changes me in such a way that whenever I live my life that it affects others. So very thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells and lives with inside of us. It's not been too long ago. I'll just tell a little testimony and I'll move forward quickly. But I had a wonderful gentleman that I'd become friends with and he looked at me one time and he said, you have persuaded me to become a Christian. That was the terminology that he used. And he said in his text message to me, he said, my family and I, we want to begin to conduct our lives as Christians. I said, hallelujah. But it wasn't a word that was said. It was just simply the receiving and the, and the conversation and the lifestyle. Do people want to be like you? Ultimately, as Christians, that's what we must ask ourselves at times. Do people want to be like us? Because if we don't watch ourselves, we will get caught up in our preconceived ideas and our preconceived walks with God to whereby that we think that we are right, but we are living in a blurred world. My hope today for you is to convince you. I want to convince you today, that is before you leave here, that you are convinced that, that you need to be more humble. Turn to your neighbor and say, humility. Humility. Now let's read the scripture, Mark 8, 23 through 31. NLT, it reads like this. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village and then spitting in the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and he asked, can you see anything now? And the man looked around and he said, yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. And Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes again and his eyes were opened and his sight was completely restored and he could see everything clearly and Jesus sent him away saying, don't go back into the village and whereby, excuse me, don't go back into the village on your way home. Don't go back into the village where you come from on your way home because something has happened to you and you don't need to go back to where you come from. I'm gonna preach on that in a minute. Because some, God's delivered some of us out of some things and out of some places in our lives that God's saying to you, don't go back there. Because if you go back there, you're going to be tainted by the fear and the doubt and all of the stuff that come with you when you came out of where you were. So don't go back there. And Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and they went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked who Christ, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, just one of the other prophets. Just one of the other guys that's good and speaks well and knows scripture and teaches well. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah. This is what he said. He said, you're the Christos. You're the Christ. You're the anointed one. You're the called out one. You're the one that has come with the favor of the Father all over him. And Jesus said to himself, he said, I only do what I hear my Father say, and I do nothing more or nothing less. 
I only do what I hear my father say. Therefore, the sinless man came and he robed himself in flesh. And there in the deity of the flesh, of that old nasty flesh of Jesus Christ, lived a life that was without sin, but lived a life that was robed in the Christ. Inside a sinless man, a Christ, a Christos, a, a called out one, the Ecclesia, who you and I are, the called out ones. We are called out to be like God, to be more, more like Christ. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man was to suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, and then three days later, he would rise from the dead. I want to talk today about a blind world, a blurred church, but yet, yes, a brighter day. Because you've got a brighter day. I don't care who you are in here, you've got a brighter day. But I promise you, you're going through some things today that, that may not, you, you may not be able to see very clearly as of yet. When I considered, considered this text, this group of Scripture, this week, whenever I began to study it, I, I, I again, after sometimes, realized that preconceived understanding would no longer work and it wasn't good enough for some of the things that I began to realize in Mark 8. I think it's really important, guys, that you note this. Write this down. You need to go to the Word of God empty. You need to go to the Word of God from time to time, not relying on what someone has taught you from the past, but go to the Word of God empty and void sometimes of intellect, saying, God, show me something today in this verse that I haven't seen before. Because there's so much truth and there's so much depth to the, to the Word of God. And each time we may be able to find something more that God's trying to show us. And what I began to think about in the scripture was is that, you know, over the years I had taught possibly many times that through the years that this second touch whereby that this man saw clearly in this second touch, I taught it as the second touch, but I was wrong. It wasn't the second touch when the man saw clearly. There was something that happened previous to that. Because all throughout this text, you can find that Jesus, throughout the years, whenever he would, he would cry out to Bethsaida, and he would ask them and ask them to repent, and they would not repent. The whole city was blind and void of anything of Christ. So where this man resided, he resided not only in his blindness, but he resided in the blindness of all of the community around him. He was living in a culture to whereby people thought everything was relative. He was living in a culture whenever everybody looked and they thought it's all just going to be okay. We'll just, we'll just skate along and everything will be all right. And there was a blind man that was crying out. And Jesus saw this blind man. The city, the backdrop, if I may, of the question that Jesus began to ask. And he asked this question. He said, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And I, I used to preach that all the time, more than I do today. But every one of us in this room this morning have to ask ourselves, who is Jesus? Because every season of life, Jesus takes on a whole new perspective in our lives. Not that he's doing, not that he's new, but it is, is that there's a deeper understanding of everything that he's done for us, through us, to us, etc., 
that he has saved us through his blood. What, is, what does the blood mean to you today? Because, you know, whenever I was a young Christian, the blood was just simply, thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. It was the blood of Jesus that covered my sin. The devil can't get through the blood of Jesus. I can tell you right now, I can live for God. My past is the past, and there's nothing that the devil can do about it. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And that's all true. But how much more true is it of the truth of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ? And whenever he bled that very trickle of blood that left his body and, and as it dripped on the ground, it, it goes on and it teaches us that even in the, in the temple that, that whenever he died on the cross and all that he did for us, that the, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom. I mean, the day turned to night. Everything's the earth quaked and people. The Bible even says, get this, the Bible even says that whenever he died on the cross, that even the dead that were in the race, they looked around and they saw people that had died walking the streets of Jerusalem. The power of the blood of Jesus. Whew. My God, I'm getting happy thinking about the power of the blood of Jesus because it'll bring dead things to life. It'll bring people that are dead and it'll bring them back to life. It'll, it'll cause you to live right. It'll cause you to talk right. It'll cause you to treat people well. It'll cause you to straighten your life up. It'll, it'll cause you to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. Why? Because of the blood, the power of Jesus Christ. There's so much about the power of Jesus Christ. Who do you say that I am? Well, I don't know because all I know is this today, if I, if I labeled you today, tomorrow it's liable to change. Dr. Phil looked at me and he said, when are you going to write that book that God put in you? I said, well, Dr. Phil, it's like this. I'd write the book and 10 years later, I'd look back and not believe a word of it. It's not so much that I wouldn't believe it. It would be that I've looked back at the things that I had written and go how elementary that was. Who would want to read that? Think about it. Think about how much you've changed over the last five years. Think how much you've changed over the last 10 years. Think how much you've changed since you came to God. And how life changes. Christ asked him, who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Who, who, who do you say that I am? Mm. There's something about the blindness of this blind man that I really, really love. But there's something about the question, who do you say that I am? And before Peter could have ever stood up and said, you're the Christ. My mind immediately this time when I read this went to the fact that there was 11 other disciples. Hang with me, guys. There were 11 other disciples that were there that day. And there were 11 people in the room that didn't have anything to say. Walked with him, his ministry, his whole ministry, and did not have anything to say. Had nothing to offer. Really no opinion. These men had walked with Christ for three years, three and a half years, and had, could not say that you are the Christ. Now, I want to ask you, and I know there are some of us that have been living for God for three decades, as such as myself. And whenever we look at ourselves and we begin to consider, what in the world am I doing? What have I learned? Where is Christ? What, am he, what is he doing in my life? Where am I in all of this concept of me of being a Christian? What is Jesus to me today that he wasn't yesterday? What is, me, what is he to me today that he wasn't 10 years ago? Who am I? The blindness, the blindness, the blindness of even the 11. 
The blindness of even the 11 is so, so strong this morning. Why? Because they didn't have an opinion. What, the thing that I, that, I, that I began to realize is, is that these guys didn't have an opinion, so therefore they didn't speak. And I, I began to realize even in my own life, whenever, whenever people oftentimes don't have anything to say in our silence leaves the preconceived idea that everything is okay. That it's all cool. You can be quiet and not say a word. It's all going to be good. But I want you to know there's going to have to be some Peters in the room. There's going to have to be some people that are going to say, you know what, I'm calling, I know who you are. Not because of who I am, but because of what the Father has revealed to me. There's something going on, in the, on, the, on the inside of me that's more than what you see. Something stirring on me that says, there's more to you, Jesus, than just a man who does miracles. There's more to you than just a man that turned water to wine, that, that, that prayed for a man's eyes and they saw. There's more to you than this. There's something stirring on the inside of me because whenever I begin to worship God, whenever I begin to get close to God, God somehow, someway deposits things in me that I don't really understand at the time, but something begins to change. And whenever it begins to change, I begin to go, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Holy Spirit, speak to me today. These men had no opinion, and so let me preach that for a minute. You ever had, I don't want to make this personal because it's not personal because I really don't feel personally in this perspective, but maybe you do, and that's why I want to preach it for you. You ever had people around you that whenever it came to a crucial point in your life, whenever you knew you were going to die, Christ, hey, I'm going to the cross, I'm fixing to die. Who do you say that I am? I need to get this clear before I go. Got to get this cleared up. Got to make sure that you understand where and what I'm doing. Who am I? But have you ever been around people in your life for a long time and you've had a relationship with them for a certain amount of time and then there come this point in time whenever you really needed them and they didn't have anything to say? And in their silence, they spoke more than what if they had spoke up. Well, I'm just not going to say anything. Why are you not going to say anything? You know what I learned about leadership is, is that I better not say this, but I will. Birds of a feather flock together. And whenever I find that somebody's always got an issue and they're always going to the same old people trying to find help for their issue, I oftentimes find as well that the people that they're wanting help or getting help from have the issues and they're agreeing with their issues. Oh, hallelujah. Come on now. We don't preach on that a little bit. Come on, preacher. So what you're saying, what I'm saying is, is that Oftentimes, because we agree with them, we're, we're flocking together. Why? Because we got something in common, and we got what we got in common is, is we all blind. We're all blind. We got some stuff going on, and, and we don't know what to do in this blindness. So we're just all going to flock together, and we're all going to have this pity party, and we're all just going to talk about it, and we're just going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about him, and we're going to talk about her, and we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about the spouse. And we're going to talk about their kids, and I'll tell you right now, won't y'all y'all need just need to pray. Y'all need to pray. I'm not going to say what it is, but y'all need to pray for Rodney because I'm going to tell you right now. That boy's got some issues, but now let me just tell you. I need to tell you because you won't know what to pray about if I don't tell you what's going on and and so my god here it comes like a flood like a flood <laughs> but isn't it the truth that if we don't watch ourselves in our lack of nothingness 
and lack of opinion and lack of, lack of something to add, something to say, because we haven't connected ourselves with God, there comes a time in our lives, according to Revelation chapter number 3 and verse number 16, the Bible says, the, the, John the Revelator said, I would rather you be cold or hot, but if you're lukewarm, he said, God's going to spew you out of his mouth. There's something about lukewarmness that God really doesn't like. He hates it, matter of fact. And so whenever we keep ourselves, sometimes it may not be the best things because we haven't been alone with God and God is trying to get us into a place that we have an opinion about who he is. Well, the scriptures teach us that Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. So Peter had some type of a, get this, get this, get this. Peter had some type of a connection with the Father previous the cross. Previous the cross. Peter had been having a connection with the Holy Spirit. And the Father began to speak to him prior to the cross. What he was saying was is that if you get alone with God, I don't care where you are in your life. If you get alone with God, God will speak to you. And God will minister to you. And this just seems out of context. It seems out of place. But I've noticed over the years in my worship times and whenever I get alone with God, let me tell you what happens. And I also know this about you as well. Whenever I get alone with God, I, this is what I find. I find that there's something that God's doing on the inside of me that's maturing me. It's, it's beginning to give me some favor, some grace, something on the inside of me. Whenever I get alone with God, God begins to grow that favor. God begins to grow my obedience. God begins to grow my faith. God begins to grow me whenever I get alone with him. It's not whenever I am in dialogue with other people. It's whenever I am in dialogue alone with him that I begin to grow. That's why it's so important that we worship God, that we pray, that we seek God, that we get alone with God. Because even Peter, prior, prior to the Holy Spirit even being poured out, that he could get alone with God and find the answers that only heaven had. There's something about the blur. The city was in blindness. The second touch. What I used to call the second touch, actually I misconsidered. It was the third touch, the first touch. The first touch was this. Guys, I don't know if you know, but I have nothing here. The first touch was this. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Mike, I want you. Can you come to me? Your wife wasn't there, so I just thought I'd get you. I was going to get Rodney, but he's loving up on Lovey there. This is what the first touch was. The first touch, Mike, was whenever he found the blind man in Bethsaida. The blind man was there, and what he first did, he said, come on, come with me. I'm going to take you outside the city. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to take you outside the city, because if I leave you in Bethsaida, these cats are going to talk you out of what I'm about to do for you. Because I'm going to take you out. These they negative. I'm just, you know, parable, 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 parable. Hang on, hang with me. <laughs> negative, no faith, doubt, fear. You mean God touched your life, got you off what? Got you off drugs? You mean to tell me he gave you a wife and you love her? You're not running around on her? You mean to tell me you're faithful? You're a faithful dude now. You used to do all this and do all that. I don't know about your background. I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching. I'm just preaching. But if I don't get you away from Audrey, she's going to talk you out. 
She's going to talk you out of being faithful. She's going to say, come on back over here. I got something for you. And Aaron's going to be going, you didn't get what you think you got. And so Jesus said, you know what? We got to turn our back. We, we got to get out of there. We got to get away. We, so we're going to go outside the city over here. First touch. First touch. First, first touch. Getting you out of where you are. Getting you out. First touch. First touch. First touch. Not the prayer over the eyes. No. First touch. Removing you out of your circumstances. Getting you out of that place of doubt and fear and of, and of nothingness and no faith and, and everybody around you is up to no good. First touch. So what he said was, Mike, you stay right there. Mike, I'm going to take you out of the city of the places whereby the, you are so comfortable in because if I leave you in Bethsaida, if I leave you there, I promise you, I can pray for your eyes, but I promise you, you're going to go back right in over there and Audrey's going to talk you out of the healing that I'm about to give you because I'm going to pull you out of drugs, but if I leave you hanging out with them drug addicts, you're going to be doing drugs again. If I pull you out of that house of ill repute where you've been hanging out with some of those old women and messing around on your wife, you're going to go back to messing around. I've got to get you out of that. So i got to build something with you. This has got to start right now, bro. This has got to start with the relationship first. Not going to pray for your eyes. I'd rather you go to heaven blind than go to hell seeing. Come on, somebody. So I want you to know, are you all right? I, I'm, I'm going to build a relationship with you. And then whenever I feel comfortable with where we are and that you know who I am and what I can do and, and all the things that are in heaven that are for you, and whenever we begin to build something together, I'm going to pray for your eyes. And then I'm going to pray for your eyes. And then I'm going to let you see something you've never seen before. You're not quite, thank you, I got my monitor again, thank you. I, I, you I'm not quite where I was. I'm not blind, but I'm not sighted. Who do you see? What do you see now? I see men as trees walking, Jesus. That's good. That's good. That's good. There's light. There's light. You're now out of, Audrey can't touch you anymore. Why? Because you convicted. God's done something for me now that you can't nobody change. I got enough of him in me. I'm in love with Christ. And then he touched my eyes. I'm not completely in darkness, but I'm not completely able to see everything I need to see, such as the church. Because Peter, you hear me right now, Peter could see the Christ, but he couldn't see the cross. Oh, my God. He could see the Christos. He could see the anointed one. Thank you, Mike. He, he could see enough to know this man will save me. This man will pray for my eyes and my eyes be open. But then Jesus comes to him and Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? Ah, you're the Christ. But just a few scripture later, we begin to realize that Peter couldn't see the cross and, and Christ rebuked him. And he said, get behind me, you devil. You mean the same guy who had the revelation? Talking to some of you. Because some of you see some things very clearly. And it's made you judgmental. I'm looking at you dead in the eye. It's the Holy Ghost, not me. It's made you judgmental. 
because I got this. I got this part. By golly, I'll tell you right now, if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. That's the kind of things we might say. I got this down. But every single one of us in this room, come tomorrow, there's going to be something you're going to run up against. It's going to be so blurry. Got a good marriage, but my kids are nuts. Come on. My kids are doing good, but my marriage is falling apart. I can help you with your marriage, but mine's dying. Tell you right now, you need to be faithful to God. You need to be faithful to God, and then you make excuses. Of why you, you know what I love about people sometimes? Not you guys, this is 9 o'clock service. But what I love about people sometimes is oftentimes I'll get a text a couple of days before. I'm not feeling well. I probably won't see you on Sunday. Two days before. Roger, I'm like, dude, I'm not looking for a reason not to do something. I'm looking for a reason to do something. Well, I don't know. I'm probably going to have to work late. Just going to give you a heads up. Probably going to have to work late. And probably not going to this. Probably not going to, probably not going to happen. You know what? I'm going to fight you tooth and toenail till Jesus comes. And what I'm going to fight you about is, is that you need to get up. And you need to quit sitting around. You know one thing about, I'm going to preach a little bit right now. I've got about 10 more minutes left in me. Y'all all right? Uh, there's one thing that bothers me about the millennial group. And I'm going to pick on the millennials a little bit in here this morning. Can I? Some of you above the millennials say, preach it on, preacher. Preach it on, preach it on, preach it on. This is where I'm at this morning, guys. Is I'm sick and tired of hearing, well, I just don't know where I fit in. I just don't know how I fit with that. And I, I just don't know. I, I don't even know. Get this, ladies and gentlemen, a question that I was posed with just in the last couple of weeks. I don't even know if I want to be a part of an organized church. What's even the point? God forbid. But if I don't have an answer for that, and if I don't come across as loving and kind in my answer to that, then we're going to lose a whole generation. Because I can serve God and not have to go listen to you. I can get you on, on uh, YouTube, bro. I'll get you when I get off work tomorrow afternoon. I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't the same. I'm going to tell some of you right now, you need to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. And you need to quit questioning the things that your mama and daddy have done and the things that they have set up. And you need to come under that covering and believe that what they have taught you is proper and correct. And whenever you get up to the point spiritually, I'm not being mean. I'm just saying. Because, oh, hang on just a second. I got a blip. Hang on. Who was it? Which prophet was it? Can't remember the prophet, but this is what he said. He said, in your early years, you need to devour the prey. And then in your later years, divide the spoil. I want to tell you what that means. What that means is, is when you're young, you need to grab a hold and devour everything that comes in front of you. Well, I don't know if I want that job. You need to take that job till God opens up another job. Dick, can I preach a little bit? I don't know where this comes from, but y'all hang on for a minute. You, you need to devour that. I mean, you need to get a hold of it. Ah! 
And you need to work that and work it and work it. And I promise you, if you're faithful in that, God will open up another door for you. And you work that and you devour that and you devour it and you devour it and you devour it. The problem is, is, is that if we don't devour it when we're young, when we get old, we ain't going to have nothing to divide. Some of you grown folk in here all be amen me a little better because you're scared because that millennial sitting over there. I'm telling you guys right now, you hear this pastor. You give me the right to pastor you now. You listen to me. I feel like I'm mean right now. Am I mean? Oh. Mm. You need to get a hold of whatever God put in your way and you need to work that until God opens up another door for you. Because God forbid that you get to be 60, 70 years old when you ought to be dividing the spoil and you have nothing to divide. That's going to be a horrible day. I don't know where I fit. don't know how this works. I don't really want to do that because then I don't... Stop. Just get your hands dirty. I don't care what you do. Do something. Man, I feel this. I feel this down deep. I was blind. But now, preacher, all I got is a bunch of blur. All I got is blur. Can't see. I'm not dark anymore, but I can't see clearly anymore. And I'm in this place of this in-between and the thing that I love about, and I'm closing, the thing that I love about this blind man. The thing that I love about this blind man is whenever he was asked, and I'm telling you right now, there's some of you right now that God is asking you, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see, Shannon, what you see? And if we don't watch ourselves, it's Tyler, right? See, I'm pretty good with names. And see, what if we don't watch ourselves is, is we'll lie to God. Because we don't want to admit that we don't see maybe what we think we ought to see. By the time we've been serving God, oh, it's a shame to me that I don't see what I think I ought to see or what you think I should see. You see? And so we'll lie to God. And we'll say, oh God, I see, thank you. I see, I see, yeah, you see light, but you see men as trees. But the blind man said this, he said, I see trees walking. And Jesus said, that's right, that's right. Now come here, now come here. Can I use you? I don't want to embarrass you. Sitting on the front row, you're just free game. That's all I can say. But what he did, he had on his glasses, if I may. I'm going to be very gentle. I'm going to hand those to you. And then he pulled him. He pulled his eyes open. He went. Spit right in him. <laughs> Some of us say, you just spit my eye. spit in your eye because God's going to open up some revelation to you. You know, I read this almost like God, God just spit it gone. 
Messages like this one. And remember, we are here to grow the family of God.